Better Preaching and Podcast number two, The Big Idea. Where does it come from and how do we find it? Whether or not we realize it or not, we're all of us are communicators. We spend our days interacting with others, sharing ideas. For most of us, it's a give and take sort of situation. But there are times we're called upon to give a presentation or a speech. Some of us find ourselves in careers that compel us to this function in the realm of public speaking. Those who are called to deliver sermons on a weekly basis, for example. When that happens, something changes in our perception of the communication process. We no longer speak in a train of thought or conversational style, but becomes much more intentional in what we say and how we say it. This series of podcasts is about the craft of preaching. More specifically, it is about better preaching, leveling up the practice and craft of preaching. My name is Charles Lipp. I'm the host along with Mike Rowe. I'm the organizer and license holder for TEDx Lake Junluska and bring the insider's perspective of TED Talks. My co-host, Mike Rowe, is a retired pastor who has delivered over 2,500 sermons in his career. As you might most likely are aware, TED Talks are about an idea worth sharing. And if you've listened to TED Talks, you probably have recognized that those talks are delivered with a high level of excellence. Well, Chuck and I are convinced that the ultimate idea worth sharing is the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We also believe that that ultimate idea is worth sharing with excellence. Now, we applaud those of you who give yourself laboring week after week to present the good news in a compelling fashion. It's hard work. Believe me, I know that. I spent over 30 years of my life crafting hundreds of sermons. How much I appreciated those who came alongside me through books, recorded messages, uh, direct interaction, giving me guidance and suggestions as to how to improve my craft. Mike and I hope through this series of podcasts to, to do that. We would like to become your mentors, your coaches, in the art of preaching. I am learning so much through the world of TED Talks, and I've become convinced the powerful yet simple principles that can transfer easily to the realm of the sermon. For example, in our last podcast, we mentioned one of the major principles of the TED organization is the big idea, the through line, it's, it's, and staying focused on this idea. Everything in our talk must flow out of, support, and clarify this one idea. Mike says during his seminary days, he was taught to use the term propositional statement. Pastor Stanley calls it the one-point sermon. Regardless of what you call it, I think the big idea for a sermon is a central point the preacher is striving to communicate to to his congregation. What it is you want people to remember, to take away, when you spent 30 minutes or so preaching to communicate this idea so they can take that home and put it into practice. Keep in mind, a solid structure, although it may vary, is critical in this overall process, but that's a bit of additional subject we'll cover in other podcasts. Having said that, this is not a new concept. Of course, you want one idea running through your whole message. And of course, you want to turn to the scriptures 
to ask, what is the main idea running through this passage? Your homiletics professor probably hammered that point home many times. But in shaping, a memorable idea isn't easy. Did you find you struggled with this idea, Mike? (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) As soon as I closed my Bible on a Sunday morning, my mind would immediately jump to the next message in my series, and inevitably I'd begin turning over the thought as to how to concisely focus that passage that's next in line. Now granted, there were times the idea would come rather quickly. Some passages are easy that way, you know. But most times, I felt a little like Winnie the Pooh sitting on his thinking log saying, think, think, think. I had the chance one time to speak with Pastor Steve Brown, the longtime pastor of Key Biscayne Presbyterian Church in Florida, and we talked about this particular matter. He grinned at me and said, Mike, it's an exhausting process, isn't it? Of course, I pointed out that he was a master at crafting memorable big ideas for his messages. To me, it seemed that it it was something easy for him. He just laughed, pointed out that the things that seem easy in terms of the listener took a great deal of work on the part of the presenter. This is exactly the the same points that we found in interacting with speakers for TED Talks is that it takes a significant amount of effort to find that big idea and to concisely be able to express it. I've come to recognize that big ideas, especially concise and memorable, aren't easy to find. Uh, They usually don't fall into our laps. They take time to develop. Did Steve give you any suggestions on how how to find this big idea? Sadly, not really. The one thing I do remember maybe because it made me feel so good, is that he affirmed me for even trying to get my sermons focused. He commented that a lot of the sermons that he heard over the years sounded like a recitation of what the preacher had learned from his commentaries. Too often, he said, that preachers want to show the congregation how much they've learned rather than figure out how to help their listener with what they need to learn. So mostly he He just encouraged me, don't give up on your quest for the big idea. That wasn't quite the term we used back then, but you know what I mean. Yes, he said, looking for what we call that big idea can require lots of work. It can be exhausting, but it's well worth the time invested. Helping a listener glean just one truth they can apply to their lives each week will reap eternal benefits. So he didn't give you any of his secrets? I walked away from that lunch with a big idea that stuck with me for the rest of my years in the pastorate. I determined that for the benefit of my people, those who honored me by taking the time to listen to my sermon, I would do my my best to craft concise and memorable big ideas that they could then take home and apply to their lives. So surely you must have come up with some secrets of your own, some methods Uh, What principles did you find to be useful in crafting uh, 2,500 sermons? (laughs) Well, like I said, sometimes you get a break, and the idea comes rather quickly. But I came to recognize that making a good cup of coffee was similar to making a sermon. Sometimes it just needs to percolate. And of course, 
being a preacher at heart, I took that word and I said, hmm, what does percolate mean? What can I do with those letters? And I determined that there were too many to formulate a memorable statement. But I did, I did come up with something for the first four letters. Would you like to hear them? Surely. Okay. We start with the letter P. All right, Chuck. What might that letter stand for? Well, since I'm talking to a retired preacher, I suspect it probably stands for prayer. Oh, you are good. That's precisely what it stands for. But let me take a moment to explain what I mean by prayer. As opposed to those times where we get away in the closet with our prayer journal or a prayer list and bring petitions to the Father. It's not that I'm not asking him, Lord, would you give me a propositional statement? Would you give me a big idea? More the focus of this kind of praying is saying, Lord, you want to teach these people more than I do. You know what they need to hear and a lot of it's different from one person to the next. Lord, this is too big for me. So, Lord, I'm dependent upon you. You, you speak to me in all the things that I read and I study. I'm, I want to hear from you, Lord. And so the, the prayer, Chuck, was more um, a dependency kind of thing, you know. Mm-hmm. I was saying, Lord, I need you as opposed to gimme, gimme, gimme. I want to hear from you so that I can then communicate with my people. So that's what it means to pray. Okay, so it really is a prayer of submitting mm. to to God and his, his desires for, yeah. for that particular message. That's a, a very appropriate word, yep. So now that brings us to the letter E. What does E stand for? The suspense is killing me. Oh, I can tell, I can tell. Let me... I, again, this is my thing, I let it stand for the word examine. See, the beauty of those times when the big idea comes easily actually carries an element of danger. Sometimes the big idea is what we want the passage to say when when it comes quickly. Oh, I got it, I got it. But that's not necessarily what the passage is actually saying. In theological terms, we would call that eisegesis, imposing our idea, our thought on the scriptural text. That's not what we want to do when we're preaching. Exegesis is when we employ tools and techniques for determining what the passage is about, commentaries and original language study, that kind of thing. As I would begin my examination, I would write the letters PS at the top of the page, followed by a colon. That would remind me that I hadn't come up with my propositional statement yet. Then, as I examined the text in whatever way, oh, a propositional statement would pop into mind. And so I'd write it next to the PS. And I can tell you there were a lot of times when I finished my research that there were multiple PSs. So at that Mm -hmm. point, it was up to me to prayerfully determine, okay, which one of these would be most effective in delivering the message that I was preparing. So what happens if you get to the to the end of your preparation, you feel you've got a good structure, but you don't have a, uh, a, uh, an idea worth sharing a PS? I, I wish I could tell you how often that happened. So that's where the R comes in. 
R stands for research. <laughs> now, you may think, well, that, isn't that what it, you do when you examine? Well, it, this kind of thing was different. I, I wasn't going back to commentaries. I wasn't going back to the original language. I'd already done all that. Research was when I would just allow myself to read other material, to um, listen to music, to watch v movies, always in the back of my mind thinking, what does this have to do with what I'm trying to communicate? Does this have any connection? So it seems the research phase is where you're really taking time for this idea to soak. Yeah. And, you know, somehow... I know in the, the process of uh, preparing Sunday school lessons that I need to start early. I, I like to start two weeks early and to, to give some time to soak because I'll, I'll go through a, and, and prepare some material and then say, okay, is this really right? And sometimes there's things that come up. Um, for me, you know, one of the things is, is you know, other, other literature like C.S. Lewis. Yeah. I mean, he's got some... Well, Chuck, I would find... Reading the newspaper, somebody there would be a quote, and I go, "Wow, has nothing to do with my message," but that's the idea that I'm trying to communicate. So yeah, and so so in some ways, it seems like sometimes God gives us inspiration over time. Yes, absolutely. Hence, percolate. You can't. Ah, uh, there are those who love drip coffee. There are those. Uh, uh it's got to be French pressed or it's got to be percolated so that it gets deep and rich. You know what I mean? But not instant coffee? No, not definitely. Oh, my mother-in-law loved Folgers. <laughs> that, that, you use that to seal your driveway. <laughs> okay. All right. Now, getting back to the, to the point here, what does C stand for? Okay. It simply reminds me to collaborate. And what I mean, God God has given me some level of creativity. I would rate myself mm -hmm. B or B plus maybe. Some might say even A minus. But there are people who are far more creative than me, especially when it comes to words. I'm married to such a person. So if I'm still blank for my big idea, I will often go to them and talk with them. I'd share with them what I'm learning and I'd give them some of my attempts at creating the big idea. And as I would, I'd watch their eyes, you know, uh -huh. and I could see that, boom, wheels begin to turn and they start percolating. And so often they would come up and say, well, have you thought about this? And you thought about that? And I'd go, brilliant! That's fabulous! <laughs> and... So Go ahead. So as you're as you're saying that, I'm thinking of uh, this. An alternate maybe uh, for C in the TED Talk world is C would be for coaches. Oh, because speaker coaches are part of the internal feedback to really help fine tune the idea, fine tune the structure, because it's in our own head. Sometimes it's really hard to do that when we interact with others when we try to explain it they might throw out some crazy idea that may or may not connect, but it helps us move that process along. Which I would then go to the people we're talking to here on the podcast. My personal struggle was for most of my years in ministry, I, I didn't really have good 
coaches, older men or women that I could look up to. Oh, eventually I did. So I would just encourage these guys, look around these women, find others who you respect and honor and ask them to coach you. And this may be someone in your congregation. It may be yep. in a group of pastors that you might uh, connect with. Yeah. And to be able to toss those ideas back and forth, not consuming large amounts of time, but just to help narrow this idea to really make it much more powerful. And one of the things I would do, Chuck, say it was one of my pastor friends, I would ask him, hey, I love your idea. Do you want me to reference you or quote you or no? And a lot of times they'd say, no, you don't need to quote me. Um, but sometimes I would. I would say, hey, my friend Ed De La Cour put it this way. And I wanted them to know. My buddy Ed helped me. But acknowledging the the work of others doesn't no. detract from your, your message. Because our walking in faith is a joint effort. Paul says, don't do it alone. Depend on others. So to say, I'm getting some help here, just affirms that I'm not trying to do it alone. Super. And, and then sometimes I would reference people in my congregation and it just made them feel so important, so valued. Indeed, that that, that is an extraordinarily powerful point. Okay. To quote Steve Brown once again, Getting a clearly focused message is important to the most effective preaching. Yes, it can take time. It can be mentally exhausting. Is that the, You have to let the idea perk. You need preparation. You need research. You need to collaborate. It sounds like a process, or at least the beginning of a process. Yep. And those are just my ideas. But if they help you, the preacher, I'm... Um, Honored and delighted. You don't have to quote me. That's good. Okay. Well, we w I want to thank the listeners again for their time and their focus on, on this. We will have uh, more uh, sessions upcoming, and, and one of them will talk about the structure. So we've enjoyed this conversation, this time with you. Thank you very much. Bye-bye for now. <laughs>